0: come on, come on, come on. I'm real close to y'all tonight. How are y'all doing? Y'all good? Yeah, y'all might get spit on right here. Okay, so I'm gonna really try not to, to make that happen. I don't know about you guys, but I'm ready. I'm ready to preach. I'm, I'm here to do that tonight. It's Mosaic on campus, second one of the whole year. Are y'all excited? Some of y'all never been here before. Come on, come on. Can hand clap something, something? Yeah, if you're excited, uh, right now, you know, it's that time, you know. Uh, I don't know if this is your first time here or not, but we like to meet our neighbors here at Mosaic on campus. So, right now, I can need you to turn to your neighbor and say, Hey, neighbor. Hey, neighbor. No, no, you know, you got to actually say it. Hey, neighbor. Hey, neighbor. I've, been I've been waiting all month to sit next to you. Hey, and there's another neighbor that is on the other side of you that you didn't talk to, your second option, the, the leftover, so to speak. I need you to touch that neighbor and say, Hey, neighbor. Hey, neighbor. I know that you weren't my first option. And this is a little awkward now, but I just need to let you know that you're looking summertime fine. Yeah, y'all like that. Some of y'all are looking for a relationship. You just found it. You're welcome. Y'all been praying all month, God, send me my boo, and they sitting right next to you. Thank you, Pastor Blake. Man, I'm excited to be here again in the movie theater. Come on. Halloween's coming up. It's my favorite time of year. I turned 30 in this, uh, this Sunday. 30. That's crazy. Super crazy. Big 3-0. I'm old. Old, old. It'll happen quick. I promise you. So normally, you know, when we come in here and every time we meet once a month, we, normally we work through a series where we are talking about relationships or we're talking about last year, we talked about your next five years, talking about the next Big moves that are going to happen in your life. We talked about finances. We talked about our relationships. We talked about, what else do we talk about? We talked about change. We, talk, we could talk about a lot of stuff. We talked about a lot of things. But this, this semester, I've deliberately chosen not to be in a series. Because I, I really feel like now in the time of our world is the time where we need to directly speak into things as they come up. And as we feel them. Because I believe that if we were just to sit in a series, we would miss an opportunity to speak into some things that are happening right now in your life. Last month, we talked about contentment and how do we live a life that's unstuck. No matter when we find ourselves in situations that feel stuck, how can we live an unstuck life? I remember talking about that. Some of y'all here. This month, I really believe that God put this on my heart, not because it was for you, but it was for me. In the past few weeks, we've had some, some rough patches, some bumps that hit my life. And um, I really felt like God was calling me to step into a different measure of faith, to really believe him for something more than I believed him for previously. And I believe for all of us, faith is the thing that we never outgrow. A wise man once told me, he said, hey, you catch a fish with the same bait, you feed it. That it's by faith that we start this relationship with God, but it's by faith that it sustains. It's by faith that we walk with Jesus. And I think a lot of us, we thought faith was just this one time moment where we just said, hey, Jesus, you're real. And that's great. I'm so glad that you've had that faith step. Some of you haven't. But his life is so much more than just believing that he's there. I think God wants to actually do things in your life presently that you probably aren't expecting. And so tonight, if you have a Bible, we're going to be talking about faith from a story in Mark chapter 5. But I really want you to turn to Mark chapter 6 because it's this text that haunted me at night. I read this and I could not get it out of my head. Mark chapter 6, starting in verse 1. If you have a Bible, some of you have a cell phone. I'm glad you charged your Bible tonight. If If you're there... Would you just tell me, hey, I'm there. there. If you're not there, say, hold up. Some of y'all can't read, I guess. Okay, I'm I'm going whether you're there or not. Mark chapter 6, verse 1. It says that he went away from there and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him, him being Jesus. And on the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Hoses and Judah and Simon? And we are not, are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his ho- his own hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. And he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and he healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. See, it's it's verse five that got me. It says he could do no mighty work there because of their unbelief. And he marveled at it. You know, I think for a lot of us, faith is one of these things that seems out there. Oh, it's like a, it's a thought thing. But I think faith actually is is real close to us. That's something we choose to walk in or not every single day. And I think the way that we respond in faith actually means a lot for our life, not a little bit. Tonight, I want to work from a title, Lose the Lid. Touch your neighbor say, Lose the Lid. Lose the Lid. Say it like you mean it. Say it like you got a lid to lose. Lose the Lid. It's time to lose the Lid. You know, uh, a few, uh, a few months ago, my nephew, before he turned two, we had this moment. I actually remember this, actually this week, it was a funny thing. I was looking through the, you know, the dishes to try to find something for like a, you know, you know how, y'all meal prep, anybody? I try to, I'm trying to work on my figure, it's hard, it's difficult. Because you know what I'm saying, like, I'm just a lot, you know what I'm saying, I eat a lot. I like food. Carbs are great. You feel me? Anybody? Can I get amen? amen? Talk, talk back to me. If I'm talking about the, if you about the carb life, holla at me, you know what I mean? And so like, I, I, I'm married to the game. I'm married to the carb game. Okay. So I've been working hard. I've been eating broccoli. Uh, gross. I have to use a lot of Cholula to add some spice. <laughs> Praise God. Um, a lot of Brussels sprouts. And anyway, I was looking through the dishes, trying to find some little, you know, the tub. T- okay, it's Tupperware, by the way, just so you know, not Tubaware. Anyway, that's that's for you on the side, so you look like you're smart. Okay, I always say Tupperware because, you know, I'm ratchet like that, but anyway, I was looking for some Tupperware, and I found this, and I remembered this thing because it's actually not supposed to be what I used it for. Like, if you know anything about babies, you know that this is formula thing, right? I was like, yo, that's a Cheerio holder, straight up. That's a whole cheerio holder. So my nephew, he's like, he's at this time, he's probably like one and a half, you know, he's walking around. He's kind of talking like, and I use, see, just let me put a little of this out in front of you. A disclaimer. I talk about my nephew a lot. A lot of you know this, but the reason that is is because God often talks to me through my nephew because he has my attention in my nephew. Some of you, I'm just here to tell you this ain't my sermon, but let me preach for, i preach a little bit. Sometimes God's going to talk to you through some regular things. He's going to talk to you some, through some little people. You look and be like, dang, they got more faith than I do. (laughs) The little boy, one and a half, you know, like you just get, I have these moments where I'm like, okay, God, I get it now. But he talks through the things I pay attention to. So I don't know if you ever feel like you never hear God's voice, look around. I promise you there's so many places that if you pay attention, you'll see that he's trying to get through to your world in a way that you can understand it. So I got this nephew and he likes Cheerios. He loves them. I mean, at the time he did, I guess. I don't know what he's into now. I think, you know, he really loves Elmo and I do like a little Elmo voice. I'm not gonna do it right now, but um, <laughs> I'll do it later. Ask me later. I'll do it later. Not right now, not right now. I gotta, I gotta warm up. i a stage fright, okay? That's not what I'm here for. I'm not here for Elmo. Maybe later, maybe later, maybe later. But for me, I, I'm more of a Reese's Puffs man. I'm a Reese's Puffs man myself. But he's into these Cheerios, right? And uh, at the time I'd filled up this thing and it, it comes in little, three little, you know, compartments. Do y'all see this? Yeah. And so there's this lid, right? I put the lid on it so he doesn't spill it everywhere because this little boy has a tendency to make a big mess. Just like just anywhere he goes, mess instantly. Books on the ground does not matter. It's a mess for real. And thank God my mom cleans up after him because I don't have the time for that. Anyway, (laughs) but I filled this thing up with, with Cheerios for him. And soon before you know it, he has either finished them or he has hid them on the ground somewhere that I can't find them. So it's empty. And he comes up to me and he's like, my, my uncle name is BB. So you're welcome. BB, if you hear that. BB, more. And I'm like, you just ate a whole thing of Oreos. You know, Or not Oreos, excuse me. That would have been funny. Uh, Cheerios. <laughs> he had no teeth? Can you imagine? That would have been a mess, bro. Um, but a whole thing of Cheerios. Ate the whole thing. He's more, more, and I'm trying to give him more. I'm trying to give him more, but the thing is, he just won't let go of the thing. He's just holding it more, more, and I'm like, okay, okay, crazy, I hear you. Little boy, calm down. Don't raise your voice at BB like that. You got to (laughs) talk nice to BB, and so what I'm trying to do, I'm just going to use Reese's Puffs because I like it. Anybody like Reese's Puffs? Reese's Puffs, Reese's Puffs. I, 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 I like the old Reese's Puffs commercial, you know what I mean? And so I eat these without milk. That's how bad it is. Like, I'll just sit and eat. Did anybody like that? Y'all just a cereal, cereal eater? Do You know what I'm talking about? You just eat it all the time? Y'all are in college. All y'all eat is ramen and cereal anyway, so you feel me, okay? <laughs> anybody want this after, come talk to me, okay? I'm not going to eat it. I don't need to. I'm working on my figure. Um, so I'm using this for, for, you know, just so you have a visual, right? So this little boy, I'm like, okay, give, let me see it. And he's like, no. And then I'll grab a handful, and I'm like, buddy, buddy, look. It doesn't work. It does, y'all see it over there? It doesn't work, bro. And so he's like, I grab it. I'm like, okay. Ooh. <laughs> that's not what I was trying to do. Sometimes it doesn't go the way you think it's going to That's life though, right? Sometimes it don't work the way you think it's going to work. But anyway, he opens up this little part of this thing, right? And he's like, more. And so I'm like, okay, Fine. It's your day, it's your time, it's your life. All right, I'll just do one by one. So 30 minutes go by and I'm like, you done? More, right? And so I'm slowly doing this. And it was funny because it was in that moment I was thinking about this and I was like, ah, we do this with God. We really do. Because I believe that God is way better than B.B. God really, really, really wants to fill this cup up that's your life. He wants to fill it up so much. He wants to work miracles in your life. He wants to show up big in your life. But there's this lid. And the thing is, I think a lot of times, you know, we have this lid on and and we think it's faith. It's open just a little bit. But we've, we've confined Jesus to be a certain type of way because we've become familiar with what he's like. Just like these people in this text. They become so familiar with Jesus in a way that was not in his fullness that they missed out on the blessing that he wanted to do in their life. I think a lot of us, our lids look like the things that we believed about God. You know, God doesn't work that way. He only works like this. Oh, don't expect God to do that miracle. That's not, that's not logical. God, why would he do that? That's silly. That's foolish. You're looking at a lid. You know, I believe that if we want to live these unlocked uncapped lives, we got to take the lid off in faith. Because I believe that we serve a God who wants to fill this thing up. That we live underneath the open heaven. That God is so desperately trying to get life into his people. That he is waiting for us to take that lid off. And I believe that he wants to keep pouring all our life And that overflow is what we live in. Yeah, there's some, take it. (laughs) I believe that God wants us to live in the overflow, but will you let him? Does God have the opportunity to work in your life like this? Will you lose the lid? Are you cool with God moving like this? Because I think some of y'all, that's safe. That's a safe Christianity. That's a, oh, hey, yeah, God's cool, but like only on Sundays. Yeah, I'll pray once a month when I come to Mosaic on campus. And meanwhile, God's like, hey, bro, I want to meet with you at 3 a.m. Not really 3 a.m. God's asleep at 3 a.m. That's not real. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm asleep at 3 a.m. So I know the Lord ain't moving. Uh. Now, I believe that God is so desperately waiting for some people to believe in faith, to step out and live a lid-free, no-cap life. He is just waiting on us. But I think that we limit the thing that God wants to do in our life because we lack faith. Whether it's in ourselves, whether it's in him. I believe that God, if we step in faith, we can start to experience this big life that he made us for. But it's on us. There's some things that we actually have to do in order to receive what God's already trying to give. And here's the good thing about God. Even when that lid's closed, he still pours it doesn't matter if your lid's open or not. Eventually you're going to see that God's good and you'll open that lid up. But right now it's time for you to lose the lid. And I want that to feel like not just a, a sermon title, but that's something to live in your life. That you wake up tomorrow and you, you know what? I'm going to lose the lid today. I got that in my spirit. I, I'm going to lose the lid. Touch your neighbor never say lose the lid. Say it like you mean it. Lose the lid. I'm going to lose my lid. Lose my lid. Man, if we are going to be people who lose the lid in our life that we live uh, untapped, huge life, there's some things we got to do. The first is that we got to get desperate. We got to get desperate. You know, I love the author of Mark, you know, Mark himself. John Mark is his name, actually. But I love the way that he writes his stories, because, you know, I, I don't know if you guys know this, like, I know some of y'all read the Bible, and the way you read it is pretty whack, and that's why you don't like actually reading it. The authors actually have an intended meaning with what they're saying. You follow me? They say things in order for you to understand something. There is like something between the lines. Does that make sense? There's something for you to pick up in what he's putting down. And in this story, the way that he has put this story together, he's trying to give you the blueprints of how to walk in faith. And what he does is he uses these two different people in this one same story, followed by unbelief to show what it looks like to walk in faith. And the story is, this man named Jairus, who has a daughter that's sick. And this woman who has an issue that she struggled with for 12 years. And the funny thing is, is that this woman struggled for that long. This girl is 12 years old. That's a hint from the author to say, hey, these two people are connected. These Stories are connected. A lot of people believe, the commentators, when they read this, they say that her hemorrhaging of blood is probably because she lost a child 12 years earlier. The same time Jairus He had that daughter. And so we have two very different pictures of faith. Somebody that's been in a hard thing for a long time and somebody that's in a really desperate situation that just happened. Two different responses. One's a man who has a position and authority. One's a woman without a name who's an outcast from society. And what he does is he gives us this picture because I believe so many of you in this room are coming from different spaces in your belief, in your walk with God that Mark's not trying to miss anybody. He's not trying to say, oh, hey, you know what? That applies to them, not me. No, no, no. It's you. You, no matter where you are, you're in this story. You're in this story. And so as we read this and as we take a look at it, take those glasses and pull them down and see, oh, wow, that's what faith looks like. Oh, that's, that's in my life. That's in my business. And as we read this, I'm not going to read the whole thing. it's a, a lot of Bible. I know y'all, y- y'all are like in school, y'all had finals, y'all not. Anyway, I'm, not, I'm just going to read a little bit, okay? So we got to get desperate. We got to get desperate. Verse 25 says, And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years, and who had suffered much under many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and she was no better, but rather she grew worse. You know, some of you in this room, desperation looks different than someone else in this room. And I think that's the beauty of this text because some of you, you've been in a place for a long time. Either you grew up a certain way or you have something going on that's been there for a long time and you're desperate. It says this woman that she not only had had this thing for 12 years, but that she had went to many doctors and had suffered much and lost all of her money in this thing and did not get any better, but actually grew worse. That's a picture of someone who's tried everything. I've done it all. I've went to every single thing that somebody told me would work and it didn't work. And this woman, she got desperate. And what happens in the story is she hears about a man named Jesus who can heal. And she gets to this point where she is so fed up with trying everything that she's done. She says, I'm gonna go take a miracle. I'm not even gonna ask for it. She walks up to Jesus and she touches him, not even touches him, touches the cloak that's on him and is healed. How desperate are you to see God move in your life? Are you desperate enough to do something that is socially unacceptable in the time? Are you willing to look foolish in front of people in order to have God move in your life? How bad do you want it? Really, how bad do you want it? I was convicted by this because I think I really don't want it that bad. I think a lot of us don't really want it that bad. You want to know why? Because we hadn't even pressed into discipline yet. We want God to move in our life, but we're not even willing to pray. When's the last time that you've prayed weekly, daily about one thing going on in your life that you need God to do? When? When's the last time you fasted and prayed, hey, God, I'm believing you for this thing. I'm going to not eat and I'm going to pray. When's the last time that you decided, oh, you know what? I'm going to serve my community. I'm going to serve a local church. I'm going to give to a local church. Don't even talk about money. Don't touch my money. I, I get it. I know what it's like to not have money in college. But there's these things that God calls us to do, these disciplines he calls us to walk in, and we don't even walk in those and we wonder why he doesn't move. Maybe that there's a step in this called obedience that our desperation should lead us to. That's one way. I know a lot of us in here, you've just heard that your whole life. You know, I'm not trying to do that. That's legalism. Obedience isn't legalism. Obedience is a seed of faith. It's a fruit of faith, actually. If you believe, you'll walk in a certain way. This girl, she believed that Jesus could heal her. So what did she do? She walked in faith. She did the thing that she heard. No one even told her about this. She just decided, I'm going to just touch him. Nobody else had been healed this way before. She just decided, I'm just going to go for it. I'm just going to send it. Who cares if I do it wrong? I'm just going to believe God in a crazy way. And what happens? Jesus doesn't even talk to her to get the miracle She's healed before Jesus even knows. Before he even knows. Isn't that crazy? We we pray all the time, God, help me with this. What would it look like if you walked in so much faith that you didn't even have to call the hotline? Hey, God, I need your help. If you just believed him for something so much that your faith moved his heart to help you. It says that when she touched him, power left him. It's that power follows faith. If you want God's power to be shown in your life, walk in faith. Believe the things that this book has said he is about. He's made promises in here. We were just sang a song called Promises. Half of y'all in here know there's stuff promised to you. You're not even walking in it. You know how silly that is? That's like, oh, hey, you have things that are yours already, but you just like leaving them on the shelf, like leave them in the box. I'm good. I'm, I'm just going to live my life and do my own thing and figure it out. And that's the other part of desperation. Some of us, when we're in these desperate spaces where we need God to show up, and we're like, God, I need you to show up. And instead of continuing and being persistent in faith, we just say, you know what? I'm gonna figure it out myself. And we just do the thing that she did at first. We go to thing after thing, trying to make it work ourselves. And the thing that's funny about this faith thing with God, I realize if it's something that you can do, it's never really faith. That it's faith when it's outside of your hands. It's when it's self-reliance is gone. When you can't rely on your own hustle, you can't rely on your own creativity, You can't even sell plasma and, you know, I don't know what else y'all sell out here for, you know, your clothes, Play-Doh's closet. No, none none of that. Okay, nothing. You get to a point where you got nothing. That's where faith starts. And some of you in this room, I I know because, I I mean, I talked to some of you. And you tell me about, I say, hey, how does your prayer life look? And you're like, you know, I pray all the time. I'm like, okay, what does it look like? And they're like, you know, I, I pray. And I was like, no, tell me what you pray for. They say, you know what, I get in there and I'm like, God, would you just, you know, give me strength? Would you just give me patience? Would you just help me with my test? And God is in heaven offended. He loves you. He hears you. And he'll help. But he's like, bro, you can do that by yourself. Ain't nothing but some administrative skills and making a calendar going to fix that. You don't need me. God, I'm about to fail nursing school. Help me. Study. You know what I'm saying? There, there are things that God is looking at us like, I've already given it to you. You don't need me for that. Ask me for something big. I think sometimes we ask too small because we believe that God isn't willing to give us way more than what we asked for. God, give me strength. Yeah, I did. I still am. Every day you have breath. You've got it. God, give me patience. Well, guess what patience is? It's a fruit of the Spirit. If you have the Holy Spirit, you have patience. There you go. You're welcome. That's, that's what God's saying. I've already done it. There's parts of this that we have to engage with God in a way to see it happen for us. And there's other things, too, with desperation. I think when we realize that we can only do so much, and when we have expended that, that is where faith starts. When we got no other options, when we look down at our hands and Look up and say, I ain't got it. God, I don't know how this is going to work, but I trust you. Instead of saying, I don't know how it's going to work, so I'm going to stop or I'm going to quit. Say, I don't know how it's going to work, but I believe and have faith and I trust you. And I'm going to ask boldly. I'm going to ask boldly. My second point today is if if we're going to live these big lives that we talk about, these faith-filled lives, that have no lid, you have to realize this one concept, and that is that the way that you perceive Jesus will determine how you approach Jesus. Let me say that again. The way that you perceive or the way that you see and understand who Jesus is will determine how you approach him. Y'all following me? This woman in this story, she had a perception of what Jesus was like. So did this guy, Jairus they had two different perceptions of Jesus and they asked two very different ways. Did y'all notice that? Let me, I know I didn't read it, but let me read you, let me read his part. And when Jesus said, crossed again, this is verse 21, in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him and he was beside the sea and then came out one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly saying, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And Jesus went with him. Contrast that with this from the lady. She had heard the reports about Jesus saying, if I just touch even his clothes, I will be made well. And she walked up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. You see the difference? You see, do y'all see it or you don't see it? Let me just tell you. Jairus comes to Jesus, and he gets down on his knees, and he begs Jesus, come help. But he asks something very specific. He says, come lay your hands on my daughter, and she'll be healed and made well. Come lay your hands. In the Jewish context, that would have been very normal for someone to believe that laying on of hands heals, by the way. Especially when he knew that Jesus, by laying on of hands, had healed people previously. He has that much knowledge about Jesus to know when he comes, I'm going to come before him. I'm going to ask him to do what he's already done. It don't take a ton of faith to ask somebody to do something you know that they can do. You know what I'm saying? This woman, though, she comes uh, with a whole different energy. She comes with the, oh, you wild kind of faith. You know what I'm talking about? You know the people that follow you on a red light, you go through the red light, they follow you like, oh, dang, you crazy. You don't care about your life. (laughs) She had that kind of faith approaching Jesus. She said, I ain't got to ask. I don't have to do none of that. I'm touching not even him. I'm not even going to touch him. He asked, hey, come touch my daughter. I ain't got to touch him. I just got to touch his sweater. That's it. Just sweater. (laughs) Heavy on the sweater. I just got to touch his clothes. You want to know what's so crazy about that? That had never happened before. No one had ever just touched Jesus and been healed. How could she have heard about Jesus who heals and had the audacity to believe that she could do it a different way than anybody else? Because she believed that she was the exception. Some of you in this room need to believe that you're the exception. That the thing that you are believing God for, you can be the first one for it. Because she was the first one ever healed this way. Nobody else had ever been healed this way. Ever. Ever, ever. She's the first. Guess what? So was this guy. His request is, we're not there yet. His is the first ever. But he doesn't ask for it. Jesus just gives it to him. Some of us in this room, you have to realize the way that you see Jesus will determine how you ask Him for anything. Because some of you in this room, you think that I don't really ask big because one, I either don't believe that He can, like He's not able, or two, that He doesn't want to or that He won't. I think it's more the second than the first. Because this God who created everything, who owns everything, you think God can't just download a million dollars into your bank account? Crazier things have happened. You see what I'm saying? Not to, I'm t- not telling you to believe that. That's prospect. I'm, I, you know, thank, please, God, give me that. You know what I'm saying? But I'm just saying, like, there are crazier things that God has done. Like, speaking the universe into existence, that's crazy. Hold up. You got my science all balled up. That's crazy. No, you know, he did that. God, he healed people. Like, he healed people. And we don't even believe that he can get us through SFA come on. I know some of y'all so stressed. Y'all just had tests. Don't play with me. Y'all so stressed. Y'all barely even got here. Someone had to beg you, say, hey, you need Jesus. He gonna help you on your test anyway. Come on. Am I right? Show of hands. Show me. Come on. There's at least five of you. Okay, thank you for your boldness. I appreciate you. But no, he can do so much. And I think we we conceptually believe that. But I think there is this deeper reality that when we ask him for stuff, we think he won't because... Maybe a couple of reasons, maybe because of the way that we've lived our life. He won't maybe because we've created a belief structure that says, oh, he doesn't work that way. He only worked that way then we've limited him in our belief both times as if you doing right is going to change his mind. Anyway, God is not a respecter of persons. He loves because he loves because he can because he wants to need you to be right before him. You serious? You already messed up, sorry, game over. Loved you enough anyway, already paid for it. So take that off the table. What's holding you back from believing God for more? What's, what's holding you back from believing God doing something miraculous in your life? Is it because you don't think he can or because you don't think he will? This text right here shows us that he will. The cross ought to show you that he will. The problem might not be God, the problem might be us. I think that if we're desperate enough and that we know that he's good enough, we'll ask him. You know, just a, a picture for this, just to put it a different way. I have a dog. Her name is Zeta. She's beautiful. She's a German shepherd, lover. She's old. She's getting old. But every day when I come into the house, there's this thing that she does, okay? And so it's my mom's fault. It really is. Blame my mom. Um, every time she goes to the bathroom, she gets a treat right? Every time she comes back in the house, when she's about to leave, you know, about to go to work, treat. So this dog has no shame. Literally every moment that I'm in that house, she is like around me, pet me, feed me, treat me. Like that's her like energy all the time. And today, I literally today, I wasn't even gonna say anything about this, but it made me think today, As I'm walking into the house, she hasn't gone to the bathroom and I'm not leaving. She immediately goes to where the treat is. And it's easy because it's on this one one part of the shelf. And what she'll do is she'll do like a little circle and then sit and her ears will be up and she'll just be looking at me like, you going to treat me or not? You know, (laughs) And what's crazy about this dog is that she knows me well enough, knowing that if she does that, she knows that I will. And so every time that she sees me treat, 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 treat. She believes more that I'm going to give her that treat than anybody else in that house. Wait till my dad comes. He's like, why y'all giving this dog treats? I'm serious. He's sitting over there. You can ask him later. Why are you giving them treats for everything? I'm like, because I love my baby. You know what I'm saying? That's my dog. You know, it's funny that a dog can have more faith that their owner will take care of them than we can believe that God will take care of us. And what's crazy is sometimes I'll tell that dog no. And guess what? That no does not keep her from asking me again. I think a lot of us have stopped asking God to move and mightily in our life because he said no one time. Because you asked for something that he was like, no. Not because he's not good and not because he doesn't want to do whatever. A lot of it's from a real hard space. And I get it because I've prayed for people that got sick and it didn't happen. I prayed for people on their deathbed. and We lost them. I understand. I feel you. I feel you. I believed God for some things that he didn't show up on the way that I thought he was going to show up. But guess what? Faith is my job. Outcome is his job. And just because the outcome didn't go the way I thought it should doesn't mean that he's not good and does not mean that he won't say yes later to something else. So why would you ever stop asking God just because you got to know? Because here's the deal. If your faith was in God, you would continually ask. If your faith is in the outcome, once it doesn't happen, you'll stop. We have to move our eyes from wanting something and not getting it and pouting and not walking in faith because it didn't happen and turn that into God. You're still good even if it's a no. You're still good if it doesn't play out the way I thought it would. You're still, I'm still gonna ask. That's what this woman did. She had no promises. She was just fed up enough to try. I think some of us gotta get that in our spirit to just be fed up enough to try. Fed up enough to believe. Maybe I'm the exception. Maybe I'm going to be the first one this ever happens to. But guess what? You'll never know unless you walk in faith. You'll never know if you don't take the step. You'll never know if you don't take that test. Even after you failed it, take it again. Some of us have run into roadblocks, and we've kept roadblocks from keeping us to walk in faith. That leads me to my third point. My third point is we need to check our circle need to check your circle. You know, I'm like, wow, what do you mean, check my circle? Well, in the story, Jairus, he is sitting there, and Jesus, he's bringing Jesus along. Like, come on, my little girl's sick. Come on, let's go. Come on, on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. Like, you know, that's what, that's happening. Like, think about him. Like, his little girl's dying. It's getting close to the end. And then there is this woman who interrupts him on the way in the middle of his miracle, and stops Jesus. It says that Jesus didn't just let it, let her be healed and just keep it pushing. Jesus stopped and said, who touched me? Can you imagine? I love Peter and them's reaction. They're like, what do you mean? Who touched you, bro? There's like a million people, right? What do you mean? Like th- them, all of them, you know what I mean? All of them touched you. He's like, no, who touched me? And what's funny is that Jesus can recognize a regular touch and a faith touch, two different things. Some of your prayers are just prayers, but some of them are faith prayers. They're different. They're different. One's a complaint. One's an empty ask, and one is like, God, I believe you for this, and I'm asking crazy. Those are two different things. But Jesus, he feels this touch, and he stops. And he makes enough of a deal that this woman comes up, and she says, it was me. And in fear and trembling, she comes down to her knees in front of Jesus and tells him everything. In my my imagination, twelve years is a long time. So I can imagine that everything lasted a little bit of time. You get a moment with Jesus, you're not going to tell him everything. I'm taking up an hour and a half and asking for more time. That's just me. But you can imagine this guy's like, "Come on, Jesus, come on, bro. Hey, she's dying right now. I need, I need. No, no, no. Get, Get up. Stop. Stop. You know, I can imagine." Can you you imagine you just watch, y'all, am I the only one that has a crazy imagination like this that reads the Bible like that? Maybe you should. Maybe it'd be more fun. Anyway, come on, Jesus. And in the middle of that time, when Jesus is having this interaction with this woman, his friends come up. Jairus' friends and his family from his household come to him on the way and say, hey, don't bother the teacher anymore. She's dead. It's over. Just leave him alone. Let him go. Come home. Let's cry like it's over. And Jesus, in the middle of that conversation with that woman, turns them and says, don't fear, only believe. And what happens next is why I say you need to check your circle. Jesus, in this moment, right after he tells them this, it says, um, and he allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and they came to the house. Peter, James, and John. Y'all know he has 12 disciples, right? 12. 12 of his homies. They've been with him. And he's like, y'all can't even come. These people that came to tell Jairus, or Jairus, excuse me, I don't know why I want to call him Jarius. I said this earlier. I was like, why? Maybe I just grew up in a place where Jarius was just a normal. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> Jairus, right? He doesn't even let his friends come. He says, you and these three guys, let's go right now. And then he gets to the house, and what are they met by? They're met by people that are mourning. They're crying. They're saying, it's over. It's done. She's dead. And Jesus says, she's not dead. She's only asleep. And they laugh at him. And what he says next is interesting. He says, he put all of them out except the father, the mother, and Peter, James, and John. And they went into the little girl's room, and he healed her. He had to put people out. And I always wonder, why, why is that? Is that just weird preaching where like pre- preachers are just like, you know what? Some people just can't go with you. You, know, you ever heard that? You know what I'm talking about? Anybody, anybody raised in church? Okay. Okay. Anyway. But there's some truth to that. Because the reality is some people can't go with you on your faith journey. Because those same people that you want to bring with you, they might be your ride or die people. They might have been in your life for a long time, way before Jesus ever showed up. But what happens when life happens and they say, hey, it's over. Give up. Or even better yet, some of your friends are like, hey, well, let's be be a little bit more practical about like that. You know what? Maybe if unbelief. You know, they say is faith is contagious, and so is unbelief. And what's also interesting is that in Romans, it says that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God, right? Faith comes by hearing. She heard about Jesus and moved in faith. He heard about Jesus and moved in faith. But he is met by his friends telling him something different than what Jesus told him. Some of you in this room, the reason why you have a lit it up life and why you don't see God move in a really powerful way is that every time you try to take a step in faith, you have people in your life that you may love. They might be family. They might be your best friends, but they come in and they poison your faith. They say, hey, you could never do that. You know what? Mm, maybe this isn't for you. Maybe this is a different. Maybe God's calling you on a different career path. You know, you know, and it's even worse when it's people that you really love, like maybe like a significant other that you are like, so like in faith about something like God's called me to this. I'm made for this. And then they say, you know, you have a bad day and you kind of lose faith. You're like, man, I don't really know if God made me for this. Maybe I should quit. And then they say, you know what? Yeah, you're right. Maybe you should quit. Please break up with them. Oh, my God. Ladies, I'm so serious. Men, too, in the room. If the person that you're with that you want to spend the rest of your life with can't believe in you when you don't believe in yourself, leave them. You need some people in your corner that are going to say, when you get that diagnosis or when your parents get it or your best friend gets it or somebody is in a bad way, you need someone to grab your hand and say, come on, let's pray. Let's believe in faith that God can still heal. Let's believe and and pray and believe that God still wants to do something in your life. That maybe you might have made a mistake, but guess what? That's not who you are. You've got so much more ahead of you than that little thing that you thought. Hey, you know what? Maybe it's not nursing school. Maybe it's something else that God's leading you to, but we're going to believe in faith and pray that God is going to move in your life. You need some people in your circle that are going to believe enough for you to keep you in the journey when you want to quit. When you get met with bad news that makes you feel like maybe I'm stupid to believe God for this. You need some people in your circle that are going to breathe faith into you and not poison it. You need to check your circle if you're going to live this big faith life. And there's some people that can't go with you. Hear me though, it's not that those people can't be in your life and that you don't have a role in their life, but they just can't be with you in that moment where you need somebody with faith. You need someone to believe for you and with you and move forward with you. You need that. Some of you in here, you don't have anybody that's ever been that, but guess what? There are communities, there's churches in this city that can be that for you. There's mentors in here that would love to be in your life. That would love to say, yeah, let me pray. Let me pray for that. Let me pray for that husband that you've been praying for, for, you know, Three months, because, I mean, y'all are in college, you know what I'm saying? Y'all, y'all can wait a while. I'm just kidding. That was a joke. Y'all are like super serious. Um, but now you need people to believe, to breathe faith into that thing. That dream that you have, that business that you want to start, that career that seems kind of far-fetched. You need some people to say, hey, yeah, I'll give some money to that because I believe in you. Yeah. I want to encourage you. I want to support you. I'm going to show up for you at that thing that you care about that nobody else comes to. I'm going to be there, front front row. I believe in you enough. You need that in your life if you're going to have this unlocked life without the lid. And my last point, and I want to close with this is, if you're going to live this unlocked, faith-filled, big life, you have to be able to hold on to the things that Jesus has said to you when you meet roadblocks. You have to hold on to the things that he said to you. And the first thing I need to say about that is, I know a lot of you, you've come from church backgrounds where hearing God's voice is like this taboo, weird thing. That's the first reason. we got to let that go. God's voice is normative to the Christian life. God speaks all the time. He has never stopped speaking. It's just that we're not conscious that he's talking because one, we don't pray enough. And I'm not trying to make it a legalistic thing, but... You don't know people you don't talk to. You talk to the, yo, boo thing on the phone. You snap, you text. Oh, can God get five minutes? You know what I'm saying? There is an exchange. I do think that there's some discipline there. If we want to hear God's voice, we got to press in. We got to get into his presence. We got to come to stuff like this. We got to say, okay, God, what are you speaking to me? What are you doing in my life? Show me how I can obey you in a different way and that shows faith. And bring the things that you complain to your friends about, bring them to God. He's the only one that can do something about it. Your friend's going to get tired of you complaining and say, she's so negative. Y'all know that. (laughs) We have to normalize prayer. And also we got to know his word. I know a lot of y'all you don't even understand. Like, I don't even know where to start with this thing. The reason you read this thing is to know what he's like. To know what he said. And to know how to live your life. You have examples of what it looks like to walk in faith all through this thing. When you find yourself in similar situations, you're like, oh, like David, when he was in that situation, I can walk in faith like this. These are supposed to encourage you. Not only that, but if you don't know what God's voice sounds like through his word, how are you ever gonna know what he's telling you through a thought? God doesn't talk like uh, Morgan Freeman, loud. He doesn't, he doesn't. God talks on a thought level. And I believe that so much of the time, there's these thoughts that come into our mind that if we recognize this, we would recognize the voice. And if we actually believed and held on to the thing that was said, maybe we would start to believe for more. Jairus in the story, he, he gets this news and Jesus tells him just two words, or not two words, little phrase. Don't fear, only believe. Four words. Don't fear, only believe. Didn't tell him that his daughter was going to get healed. Didn't tell him it was going to happen. Just don't fear, only believe. Not only that, but before this, when Jairus, Jairus, yeah, I said it right. Jairus, (laughs) we'll say Jairus. Jairus, he gets on his knees before Jesus and he begs him. And Jesus agrees the agreement of Jesus. There are some things in your life that Jesus has already agreed to. You just have to keep walking in faith, believing that you agree to this God. Your promises in this word have already said this is what you are going to do. So I trust you on it. I'll bet the bank on it. Even when I hit a roadblock and I get a no, it's not faith if you don't get a no. Hello. It's not supposed to be easy. Faith is not easy. Faith is saying, I'm going to hope against hope. When there is no way, I'm going to believe that this is the God who is a way maker, who is actually going to make a way even if I can't see it. He's working it out. I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to have that money to do it. God's going to work it out. But I know one thing, I can take this step. I can take this step. And what I believe happened was was that Jesus told him, don't fear, only believe. And what happened was he took one more step. And then one more step. And what, what went from him pulling Jesus, come on, Jesus, come on, Jesus, let's go. It turned into Jesus walking in front of him him just saying, all right, I'm gonna just follow you to it. I'm gonna just follow you to it because I can't do it. I can't bring her back. She's the first one that ever got brought back from the dead, by the way. This is an unprecedented miracle. How am I gonna have faith for something that's never happened? Because I believe in the one who can do it. And just because sometimes it's a no, doesn't mean I still can't believe. There's these moments that we have when we are met with an excruciating heartbreak of an unanswered prayer, of a hope in our heart that we just believed God for something and it didn't happen. And what we normally do and what I'm begging you not to do is not to dismiss faith in God and saying, you know what? He, uh, He just doesn't always come through. Or, you know, like, ah, well, you know, you can't really trust this thing. You know, we make these reasons why he won't do it. And why in the future, whenever we find ourselves in a similar situation, we're like, you know what? We're going to pray for the doctors to heal instead of saying we're going to believe in faith that Jesus can heal you right now. And believe it in here, not just out of here. Because I think sometimes we're going to be met with stuff in life that's going to take the wind out of us. But the real faith comes is what are you going to do after you get hit? What are you going to do after you hit the roadblock when there's nothing left? Are you just going to believe because he's good? And because he's made you promises? I don't know about you, but I'm one of those people that I'm going to believe God with everything I've got, even if I look stupid. Because what's the alternative? A life of me doing it my best? I'm not that smart, (laughs) I'm not that talented. I can't fix what's broken in the world by myself. I can't even fix what's going on in my life by myself. I can't even heal some of the broken things that have happened to me in my life by myself. But one thing I can do is I can believe that there is a God in heaven who loves me and who has a plan for my life and is asking me to believe him. Just to believe him. Like really believe, not like conceptually think about it, but like actually God, I believe you and I'm gonna take a step even when I think it's dumb. It doesn't make sense to me. That's where faith starts. And I believe if we're ever going to see God move mightily in our life, we have to be ready to know that sometimes it's going to be a no. But that is not a reason to stop. That's more of a reason to believe. Every time it's a no, there's an opportunity for the enemy to attack your faith. To say, "Ah, oh, no, it's not going to happen. God doesn't work for you. There's something wrong with you. And I need you to get this in your spirit. You need to be somebody that says, you're going to need to come with more than that devil for me to lose my faith in my God. God's got too much for me. He's too good. He's brought me through too much even though I didn't even see it in the moment. Me looking back at my life knows that he's good enough to trust. Even if I'm in a space that is hard right now, he's good enough to trust. Even if he did nothing for me but die for me, he's good enough to trust. And I'm going to bet my life on him regardless of outcome. Because faith is on me. And it is the correct response. It is the correct response. And for those of you that have lost people, I just want to give you this encouragement. God will spend the rest of eternity making up for you. He'll make it up to you, I promise. It says that the things in this life are not worth comparing to the glory that is going to be revealed in Christ Jesus. That God is working all things to unite it in Jesus to met, make all things right, this broken world to make it whole again. And we're in the middle of that. My question to us is: what opportunity are you giving God to do something in this world through your life? Will you let Him do it? And as the band comes up, I want to give you a moment for you just to respond in faith, but just between you and God. Right now, I just want you to close your eyes. I want you to just close your eyes and I want you to ask yourself like you're having a conversation with Jesus, like you're looking at him right in the face. And if you're upset and if you've decided not to believe because of the way things have went, tell him. He is big enough to handle your, your broken heart. He's big enough for it. He's big enough to handle your disappointments. And in this moment, I want you to ask yourself, like, like Jesus is asking you, What do you need to stop? What's some things that you've been believing or engaging in that you need to just let go tonight and lay down at his feet and say, I'm not doing that anymore? What's he calling you to stop? In this moment, maybe God is not only just calling you to stop something, but maybe he's calling you to start something. Maybe he's calling you to take a step of faith tonight. Maybe he's asking you for the first time in a service for you to stand up and ask for somebody for prayer, for that thing to partner with you in faith. What step is he calling you to start? And the last of what is he calling you to believe? What are some things that you believed about him that have stunted your faith journey with him? Is it that you don't think he's able? Or is it that you don't think he's good? Or is it that you don't think he will? What's God calling you to stop? What's he calling you to start? And what is God calling you to believe? If you need something, if you need prayer for anything in this room, we have people around this room that want to pray for you, that want to pray with you. And if you had a moment with Jesus tonight that you felt something in your heart shift, don't leave tonight without telling somebody about it. What's God calling you to stop? What's he calling you to start? And what's he calling you to believe?